Welcome to the Smarter Healthcare Podcast, where we meet the brightest minds transforming healthcare with your host, Kathy Susich. Hello, and welcome to Episode 9 of the Smarter Healthcare Podcast. Today, we are taking a look at healthcare technology and how the COVID-19 pandemic has changed care delivery and the technology that supports that. Our guest today is Tashveen Ekram, co-founder and chief medical officer of Luma Health, a San Francisco-based startup that helps improve patient engagement and communications. Tashveen and I talked about the shift to telehealth over the last several months, other key technology breakthroughs that will emerge due to the pandemic, and how healthcare providers can use technology to recover some of their lost revenue over the last several months. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Tashveen. Welcome to the podcast. Could you start off by telling us just a little bit about Luma Health? Yeah, I would love to. So Luma Health, we're a San Francisco-based startup about five years old, and our core product is about automating communication to patients for providers and practices. As, as we have seen as patients and both providers, healthcare is very difficult to navigate. And so what we do is we, we help automate a lot of the communication that happens to make sure that the patient is moving along their patient journey. So you can imagine when the patient starts off with a particular disease, as many steps that need to happen for them to get from point A to point B. And so what Luma Health does is it allows providers not to have to take that manual communication that needs to happen to make sure they get from point A to point B, but we automate a lot of the communication, making sure sure that they get to the next step of getting their lab drawn, getting their referrals done, whatever it is. So um, we sit on top of their EMR and be able to automate a lot of that communication so that we make sure that the patient is guided along their patient journey from from their state to getting to a healthier state. Great. Now, several months ago, COVID-19 kind of turned the world upside down. Do you think healthcare providers could have ever foreseen such a radical shift in the way that care is delivered? I think if someone told me that, I'd say they were, all, they were not telling the truth. <laughs> I'd say you know, COVID has obviously been a very significant challenge, not only for the healthcare world, but just the world as a whole. But I'd say that one of the amazing silver linings in the COVID is that it has accelerated certain things, not only in healthcare, but even outside of healthcare. But one of the things that we've been really challenged with over the last several years is just adopting telehealth. And I think um, we've been just put to the fire both as patients and providers. And suddenly, I think we've been asked to, um, out of necessity, use it. And it's, it's really interesting because I think if you asked just six months ago before this COVID hit, if you had done a survey of both patients and providers and asked them what's their comfort level with telehealth and how many telehealth visits they've done, it would have been quite few and the comfort level would have been very low. Right. Now, let's fast forward you know, six months later or whatever it is to today, and the comfort level, and I think both from patients and providers, I think we've come a really long way. And it wasn't out of choice. Um, we were kind of forced into that. But I think a lot of us are more comfortable. And I, I always like to tell this one anecdote. So um, one of our clients, he, uh, their ear knows, one of the providers in their practice has been practicing for quite some time. And when I was talking to him, I asked him, so did you ever think you were ever going to do telehealth? And he said, no, why would I ever do that? And I think as physicians, we're very comfortable in treating patients with our hands and seeing the patient in front of us because it gives a comfort level. And I think there's a part of medicine that's very personable. And you just, you know, you can't do that in a, in a telehealth visit. But that said, you know, when COVID hit, he, he needed to close his practice down and start doing a lot of stuff over telehealth. And so he was evaluating a patient that um, had a growth and in his mouth. So that's concerning, you know, it could be cancer, it could, you know, it could be something bad. This, this visit was actually scheduled prior to his office being closed down. And so then he just kind of had to, out of necessity, hey, we're going to do this over telehealth. So the patient got on, turn the camera on, you know, angle the camera so they could see, um, you know, this area in the mouth. 
And he made the diagnosis over the telehealth visit. Mm -hmm. And I think what, what this shows though is if you had asked him before to do that, he'd be like, no way in heck am I ever going to do that because that just doesn't make any sense. Why would I ever risk, you know, missing something? But I think suddenly he felt a lot more comfortable and so did the patient. So I think this anecdote just speaks to a lot of how we as a nation have become a lot more comfortable with telehealth. So that's what that radical shift is. I think, you know, if there's a silver lining in COVID, I think it's that it has given us the courage, I guess maybe is the right word, to be able to jump in and, and really embrace telehealth and give us the opportunity to take advantage of a lot of healthcare that can happen over telehealth. Right. And I heard someone say at one point that the healthcare industry accomplished in about three to four weeks what it would have taken them a decade to do before. So it really has been an amazing shift. I know that like Boston Children's Hospital, they went from 20 telehealth calls per day to 2,000 per day during the pandemic. And this is kind of our new normal. But as things hopefully settle down and you know, as we move into the next phase of COVID-19, whenever that is, where do you see telehealth going? Do you think it will go away as quickly as it came or does it really have a future that's going to stick? There will be a significant amount of it that will stick. And I think some of it will be unfortunately driven by reimbursement models, um, you know, because currently Physicians aren't shying away from doing telehealth visits. In part, you know, they're obviously, it's out of necessity they're doing it, but also their insurance companies are still, and, and payers in general are still paying on par. So there isn't a necessarily big loss um, in, or a loss in opportunity for physicians. But I think what will happen is right now, a lot of the visits, whether they should or should not be happening over telehealth, are happening over telehealth because it just is a lot more comfortable for the patients and for the provider. Um, but I think what will happen is um, once um, the COVID pandemic passes, physicians will, will learn to understand what are the type of visits I'm comfortable in doing over telehealth and what are ones that I want to do in person. Physicians have ended up conducting a majority of their visits over telehealth right now, and they'll learn through that process to say, okay, well, this type of visit or this type of patient, you know, it would have been better actually if I had seen him or her in person or this person with such and such disease type, it would have been better if I'd seen them him or her in person. Previously, I would have thought I would have never wanted to see this kind of patient in telehealth, but actually I'm comfortable and I can rely on a patient. So I think there will definitely come a, um, I, I think we're, we're kind of on the extreme side right now of pushing a lot of stuff to telehealth, but I think it'll kind of swing back in, in the middle where it won't be 20 and it won't be 2000. It'll be somewhere in between, but I think certainly there will be a lot more comfort level, both from patients and providers. I'm saying um, that, hey, like, you know what, there's no reason for you to really come in. And I, I think what's really the amazing part about this is that a typical physician visit, you know, it could last anywhere from 15 minutes to 45 minutes, depending on the complexity of it. But I think what as, as we as providers often forget is that that 15 minutes to 45 minutes for a patient actually oftentimes, and especially for patients in the lower social economic status, it actually means that they're often taking a large portion of their day and dedicating mm -hmm. for that 15 minute block or 45 minute block. And so I think it really opens up the door for a lot of other things that previously we couldn't accomplish as physicians. And so I think we will learn that now, hey, these are, here's a whole group of patients that I had a really tough time connecting with before. And, and the reason was, and, I, and as, as a provider never perceived it, was because they had to take the whole day off. And it just wasn't economically possible for them or feasible for them to take a whole day off because, you know, they, they may live paycheck to paycheck or whatever it is. You know, suddenly I see these patients now at my telehealth visits. And so I think we will understand the who are the patients, not only based on their disease states, but also their social status and their economic status and, and you know, the demographics of like 
who are patients that can really benefit from this and where I can really expand my reach. And so I think for sure, I think telehealth is going to stay. And I think as I mentioned before, I think we as a nation become a lot more comfortable with it. I think we just got to figure out where that delicate balance is of when a visit should be done in person and when it can be done over telehealth. And I mean, unfortunately, again, some of that will be dictated by um, the payers and you know what they're willing to pay and then what's our comfort level and you know, spending that time and, and kind of balancing that too. So I think there'll be kind of a few different things that'll play into it. But I think eventually there will be, I think we will be doing, you know, I'm, I don't want to throw a number, but a, a certain number fold over what we were doing. So if we were doing 20 before, you know, I would say it would, should be, there should be at least 3X or 4X more than what we were doing before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. In addition to telehealth, what do you see as some of the key technology breakthroughs in healthcare that will emerge as a result of this pandemic? Yeah, no, I think that that's a good question. So, you know, I think when, when we when we talk about telehealth, it's important to kind of maybe broaden the definition a little bit. I think generically when we mention, when we say telehealth, the, the type of visit that comes to people's minds is the actual kind of video real-time interaction, kind of a synchronous way of I seeing, you know, the patient, the patient seeing me, and then there's a real-time um, exchange of audio. And I think that's that's kind of the, where, where telehealth starts. But I think really what um, what this has broadened um, our scope is that we should really think about like what we can maybe turn as telemedicine. So there's a lot of ways for us to be able to conduct or deliver healthcare outside of that real-time interaction. And CMS, and I kind of like how CMS has done this, where they've basically defined three types of, in their broader telemedicine kind of billing code. So they have what they call telehealth, and they have something called an e-visit, and I'm plunking on the third word. Um, but the other two are basically asynchronous ways to check in with the patient. And so these are ways where um, a provider or someone on behalf of the provider can communicate with the patient through a secure messaging. It could be also a voice call, but it doesn't actually completely have to be an actual telehealth visit where there's a video exchange. And I think as we become more comfortable with doing telehealth visits, I think we will also become more comfortable in managing healthcare issues for patients asynchronously using messaging protocols. So for example, using the patient portal, which you know was heavily pushed 10 to 15 years ago, which hasn't you know, gotten the adoption and the excitement that it originally came out with. But I think as physicians and patients become more comfortable with even um, receiving and delivering healthcare from a distance over telehealth visits, I think they also become more comfortable and saying, when I have an issue, I don't actually have to synchronously collect, connect with my provider. I don't have to actually physically go into the clinic and talk to him or her. And I don't even have to even go onto a video call to talk to him or her. I can actually try to deal with the issue or manage the issue just by messaging. And what's really great about the way CMS is doing is they're actually reimbursing for this. So you could, as a provider, have an interaction, have an exchange of messages that occurs over the course of, for example, seven week, or seven days, and then you can actually bill for that interaction and it obviously won't pay as much as an actual um, synchronous kind of visit, whether it's in person or over tele, but um, it does get, get reimbursed. And I think there's a lot of healthcare that can happen there because, again, you know, talking about when a patient comes in, I, th- I think as providers, we, we don't appreciate like how much time it takes to go see a doctor. Whereas sometimes it's a simple question as like, you know, I'm on this medication and I'm having this issue. Are they related or not? Or what should I do? Do I need to up my dose? My labs just came back. Do I need to decrease my dose? Rather than me taking my whole day out and for a 15-minute visit where the, where the provider's going to tell me, okay, look, your cholesterol is, is not well controlled. We need to up your dose. I can have this exchange over text over secure text messaging, and then I can adjust the dose for the patient, and then we can move on. And the whole interaction for both for me and for the patient maybe only required five minutes, 
It's much more seamless. So I think the breakthrough technology that's really going to start coming is that is being able to facilitate the interaction out of these synchronous kind of interactions. The providers can communicate with patients in a secure way and be able to address a lot of the questions that otherwise would have required more of a time-consuming way. And I think, again, we're going to become more comfortable in doing this, both as patients providers. Now, it seems like with the introduction of some of these asynchronous ways of communicating, it, it might also be a good time to move to some of these more value-based models that we've talked about for so long, but you know, maybe haven't fully implemented. I think that's exactly like, you know, where, where we're going to be headed because unfortunately right now, you know, we're obviously trying to, you know, deliver care, but a part of us is driven by the, by the finances of the interaction. And so there needs to be the question that always comes up to physicians like, okay, I'm going to spend this time, but am I being reimbursed for this time? Am I being rewarded for this time? And certainly changing the reimbursement model to a, a value-based model will certainly facilitates because physicians will then become innovative and try to figure out, hey, how do I address the same problem in a much more cost-effective way, but also in a health-effective way, which actually drives better outcomes for the patients, which makes it easier. Um, you know, for example, CMS has, has bundled payments um, for joint replacements. And I think that was a good example where the hospital and all the, the whole provider staff, you know, they're given a bundled payment um, for delivering a quote-unquote product to the patient, which is basically replacing a joint. Um, and then they've been figuring out innovative ways. And I think this is perfect where the patient gets discharged to home and then you can have the patient delivered asynchronous ways, messages to check on the patient. It does, it's not necessary that 24 hours later, once the patient's been discharged home, that he or she physically has to come into your clinic to be seen. I mean, the patient just was discharged from hospital, it's not going to be easy for them to be able to transport from their house to their to, you know, to the clinic. And so is there an asynchronous way? And I think this is, is definitely a way for them because previously what would happen is that the patient would come and then that would block off another 15 minutes from the physician's time. Whereas now, if you can deliver messages to the patient just to check on to make sure that they're doing okay, and if you're able to check and make sure that they are progressing in the right direction, there's no reason for you to dedicate 15 minutes of your day to check on the patient in a synchronous way. So, yeah, so certainly I think some of the reimbursement models will help um, physicians to reassess ways to be able to interact with patients and deliver care in a, in a more virtual world, which will be not only more cost effective, but I think also be drive better health outcomes. And I think it will also drive patient satisfaction. Now, a lot of what we've just been talking about are some of those finances. And one major impact from the pandemic has been the decrease in physician and hospital revenue. What are some of the ways that providers can harness technology to recover some of that revenue? Unfortunately, what has happened is that when the pandemic was first hitting um, providers and, and patients too, but a lot more providers just did mass canceling of their schedules. They said, you know what, we're, we're, we're closed for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and going forward. Um, and now um, as we're kind of depending on you know which state and you're kind of going up and down in terms of the impact of COVID and clinics are starting to open or they're, they're running a hybrid model where they're seeing some patients in the clinic, they're seeing some patients in telehealth. I think one of the things, um, one of the challenges um, that uh, the providers are facing, they've canceled, you know, let's just say two months worth of appointments, um, and but they have this backlog. They need to see these patients. And so figuring out a streamlined way of getting them back in. And of course, um, in the process of this, they've either had to let go, unfortunately, some of their scheduling staff just because, it, you know, the finances just couldn't make it work. They haven't had the opportunity to actually hire further staff. But now suddenly as they're opening up, there is this strong need to, to schedule two months worth of patients. And so how would you do that with the same staff or less staff? Um, and this is, I think, probably the other aspect of, of medicine that we've been trying to um, get 
up to speed on, but hasn't happened as fast as online scheduling are, are really allowing patients to be more self-serve. And, and, you know, we see this in other industries where patients want to be able to take more control of their experience when they're engaging with, with that industry, with whatever retail industry. And I think similarly, patients are, are asking for that in, um, in the healthcare world. And, 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 a, and a manifestation of that is online scheduling. And so what we've seen is a, is a relatively rapid adoption of online scheduling where, we, where a lot of our clinics, what they're doing is they're saying, sorry, we had to cancel your appointment two months ago. You can call in to schedule your appointment or here is um, an, a convenient way for you to find a time that works for you and just go to our website and schedule online. And so one of the ways we've seen is that what our clients are doing is that they're identifying, they're going through their two month, you know, or whatever um, month of cancellations or backlog that they have, identifying who are those patients that are good candidates to be scheduled for telehealth visits, who are good candidates to be scheduled for in-person visits, and doing mass messaging to those patients to, to allow them to be able to reschedule themselves. Particularly those patients who are gonna be doing telehealth visits so that the phone lines don't get inundated, they're referring them to their online capabilities where they can do self-scheduling. And so they can have a streamlined way where they can start repopulating a schedule, but not having that um, excessive burden on their staff to be able to reach out and do a lot of the manual effort to schedule. Because as you can imagine, these the front desk staff, you know, if you've ever seen them, they're they're I mean, they're overworked as is, and it's and to, to ask them to be like, hey, look, here is a list of two months of patients. Please go schedule them. I mean, that's just an an un unsurmountable task. So that's that's kind of one of the tasks way we've seen is, and the other thing we've seen is interesting is that um, a lot of our clients have, have adopted ways to um, kind of um, be able to take the ebbs and waves that are coming. Um, with with the COVID in terms of turning up their in-person volume and, and turning down their telehealth volume, being able to shuffle the schedule kind of very easily because as, if a mandate comes tomorrow that says from the governor of your given state that says that, you know, all clinics can be shut down, cl our clients have learned to be able to adapt, say, okay, we're going to be, we were planning on seeing 40% of our patients in person. We have now, because we've kind of gone through this, we can quickly shift them to a telehealth visit or back and forth. And so I think um, like what, one advice we've been giving to a lot of our clients is that we don't have a clear sight to where COVID is going and it's going to come and go and come and go probably for the near foreseeable future. And so what we have recommended is that you come up with a game plan of how you can shift patients from an in-person visit to a telehealth and back and forth such that you have a more steady volume of patients and study more steady revenue coming. Um, and so that way you can kind of um, be able to um, prosper regardless of what practice model you're doing, if you're doing a more heavy telehealth model or doing an in-person model. Great. Now, how can technology such as AI or machine learning be used in the care setting? Yeah, I think th there's, there's a very interesting play for um, AI. And I think one of those technologies that we've been talking about for ages, and it's, you know, it's slowly, it is, it is coming and taking place of root um, in medicine, um, but it, it's probably slower than we probably um, would like to see it. And again, it's, it has a lot to do with both provider and patient comfort level. But I think one of the interesting things is, and I think this sort of goes back to this, the, the asynchronous communication that we were talking about is that as patients become more comfortable with communicating with their providers, I mean, in an asynchronous way, um, I think what will happen is that it'll be important for providers and healthcare systems to be able to kind of filter through a lot of those messages and a lot of that data that's coming. And I think one of the challenges that physicians have in general, just from these devices that generate like the Fitbits and the Apple Watch and all this, there's a lot of data that comes in, but it's hard to filter the noise, filter, filter the sound from the noise. Where does it, sorry, filter the signal from the noises. And I think similarly here, as we allow for basic asynchronous ways, there's going to be a lot of data there. And so really identifying and helping providers kind of filter where they need to focus their attention. 
what I think will happen is that there will be a lot of interesting ways. So for example, patients are constant are messaging in um, saying, I need a prescription refill, you know, I need to reschedule my appointment or I need my lab result. And having a system that can kind of understand what the patient is actually getting at and then put them in the right workflow so that way it can be streamlined. And so there, for example, a clinic will have um, dedicated staff that are responsible for example, for, for example, doing rescheduling. And so when a patient messages and says, I need to reschedule, that will be routed to that person. So that way it streamlines. It says that no one is sitting there trying to figure out, okay, who should, who should be taking care of this message? Who should be taking care of this message? So that way the whole workflow can be streamlined. So the three most common reasons that patients call in into a clinic are prescription refills, getting my lab results, and scheduling issue. And now what way, the way most clinics do prescription refills is that um, they will often tell them to um, either call and leave a voicemail, and then you'll get back to the patient later, or you, you try to kind of directly connect with the provider, but then there's a whole disruption in the schedule and things of that nature. And so imagine if um, when the patient messages in, all the information is properly captured, and then we can facilitate the next step that needs to happen to be able to deliver that if the patient is ready for the prescription. And so I think being able to have workflows and allowing the system to be able to understand like the intent of a patient and being able to facilitate the workflows, I think is where it's going to be really important, which will be um, really fulfilling both for patients and providers, because again, you know, taking 15 minutes out to see your provider just to get a prescription refill doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense if there's a much more facile way of doing it. Let's jump ahead five years. Where do you see care delivery in 2025? It would be very interesting to see where we do end up in five years, but I think it'll have a lot of components of what we've been talking about so far. So I think if, for example, we were doing maybe like say 2% of our current visits were done over a telehealth visit, I would say we should be at 10x that. And so I would say that at least 20 to 30% of the healthcare that's going to be delivered um, will be delivered in some sort of a virtual way. And I think one form of that will be the, what we've been kind of talking about, the more traditional way of delivering telehealth, which is the synchronous kind of communication. But I think a lot of the visits will kind of also be happening over an asynchronous way. A lot of the reimbursement models will shift to do that, such that you will see a significant percentage of the um, healthcare delivery and um, being done over a sort of a digital format. Um, and I think what would be really interesting to see from that is, is how that actually drives some of the core things that um, we as a nation have been struggling with around of rising healthcare costs um, with, you know, kind of subpar health outcomes and poor patient satisfaction. And I think a lot of those things will be addressed um, as we become a more of a digitized healthcare nation, so to say. To put it kind of more um, bluntly, I think like really what COVID has done is that I think it has put to light the potential of what telehealth and digital healthcare can do for us. And I think it can really address some of those core problems that we've been struggling with as a, as a healthcare nation for the last several years, which, you know, the Institute of Medicine um, back in the early 2000s had said that, you know, in order for us to solve the healthcare problems, we need to address patient satisfaction, patient outcomes, and cost. And I think really um, us leaping forward, uh, what COVID has, um, has kind of put us to um, in terms of adopting digital healthcare is really going to be able to help us solve these things and push us forward. And so I, th I really think that what will happen in the next five years, what we will be able to accomplish in the next five years, we have not been able to accomplish in the next, last 25 years. Great. Well, thank you so much, Tashveen. This was a great conversation. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Smarter Healthcare Podcast. To learn more about Luma Health, follow the company on Twitter at LumaHealthHQ. 
You can also follow me on Twitter at KSusich or at SmartHCPodcast. Feel free to get in touch with comments or guest suggestions. To listen to more episodes, visit our website at www.SmartHCPodcast.com or find us on your favorite podcast app. I'd appreciate if you would subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening.